Welcome to College Football Roundtable, your source for college football coverage, including major storylines, playoffs, can't miss game previews, and picks each week. Join your hosts, Dan, Rob, and Jordan at the roundtable for a show unlike anything else. As for Football presents the College Football Roundtable. Welcome back. What is going on, Trash Talk Nation and Army football fans? This is going to be a combined Army football show and college football roundtable. I'm your host, Rob, in Vietnam. we got Dano Icapesa in Coastal Connecticut. Jordan and James are on a secret and dangerous mission for their respective organizations. But anyway, Dan, how are you doing right now? Good, man. Never better. Uh, it's almost Friday, and uh, that makes me happy as it can be. Yeah, it's always good when it's close to Friday, particularly after the ups and downs of the week. And we have had crazy hot temperatures here. So uh, being able to kind of snuggle in for the weekend and some AC is not always a bad thing. But a little change to the format this week. Uh, We normally do our Army football show for the preseason. We're going to start doing a college football roundtable just to give you guys the balance. So you know what's coming at you uh, basically routinely is how we do the shows. Uh, This show is going to give us a chance to talk about uh, general college football stuff that we enjoy outside of just Army football. We always talk about the other service academies. And, hey, if you are in the Firsty Club, you are now on notice, right? This is your warning order. We are going to be bringing you guys on. Those of you guys that are brave are bold enough to jump on to the the opportunity to give us your picks and uh, your thoughts on the games of the week. Dan, what do you think about the games of the week so far? Or is there any game that you're kind of looking forward to in the 2022 season. Oh man, I was just looking at the uh the week 0 games before we got on and I, I didn't bring them up. I know UConn is playing. I don't remember who they're up against. Um Hawaii's got a game. Uh, I think they pretty much always play on week 0. Uh I I don't remember who else is who else is on. Uh so I I couldn't necessarily uh give you one that I'm looking forward to off the top of my head. Yeah, but those week 0 games are usually they're usually fun games. You know, Absolutely. And, and particularly with UConn, like if you're a betting person, go ahead and take either the over or the under on that one or bet <laughs> or bet the spread and hope that they win. You know, so so it's UConn at Utah State. Uh, that sounds like UConn getting shellacked, if you ask me. Uh, Wyoming at Illinois. That might be the game of the weekend. Uh, North Texas at UTEP, Vanderbilt at Hawaii, Nevada at New Mexico State. Um, Vanderbilt at Hawaii, unfortunately, 10.30 p.m. start time might be the most interesting game of the entire weekend. Yeah, well, and that's always difficult anytime those guys play because, you know, if you want to watch, if you, if you are a, I don't know, are they the Rainbow Warriors again? I don't know if they change their, <laughs> they change their logo every year. But uh, watching those far, far West Coast games, for lack of a better term, are pretty are pretty crazy because they always have a late start unless you are in Hawaii or stationed in Hawaii or somewhere mountain time. Very difficult to catch those games. But Absolutely. We'll, we'll roll into the service academy standings at the end of 2021. So Army ended the uh, the year with six 
votes in the AP poll and one vote in the coaches poll. I'm hoping that wasn't Coach Monken voting for his own team. Uh, <laughs> Air, Air Force got one vote in the AP poll and 42 votes in the co- coaches poll. And I would venture a guess most of those were opponents that uh, played them in the Mountain West or guys that actually watched their games because Air Force was surprisingly good last year and Army played an exceptional game and beat a very good team last year. And then, of course, Navy was in a $3 bargain basement bin at Walmart, and they are on probably on notice right now based off of everything that happened last year with Ivan. Uh, who knows where their season's going to end up. But uh, other than that, we'll pass it over to Dan for the FPI ranking. So uh, what are we tracking there? Yeah, so on the other show, we talked a little bit about Army and the S&P Plus rankings, and I guess they're called SP Plus, not S&P Plus, uh, not to be confused with your favorite stock index, and uh, the FPI rankings, which is ESPN's Football Power Index. Uh, SP Plus is, is uh, you know, a more scientific methodology, whereas FPI is, is more trying to uh, mirror what the college football playoff is going to predict at the end of the season. Anyway, Army is ranked 60th in FPI. They are 80th in SP Plus. Um, FBI likes them a lot at like, you know, plus two, plus three points, something like that. SP plus has them at uh, minus 1.9. Air Force is ranked 71st in FBI and 64th in SP plus. So almost exactly reversed. Um, Navy's ranked 107th in FBI and 113th in SP plus. They're about two touchdowns worse than a quote average team across both ranking systems. Uh, for whatever it's worth, this is the highest I think we've ever seen Army ranked in FPI. And considering the way that they do those rankings, I don't actually think it's reasonable to expect Army would ever be ranked higher than this. I think the the highest we've ever seen them is after the 2018 season when they won uh, 11 games and they finished 40th in either SP Plus or FPI. So, you know, at, at that point, 11 games, bowl winner, and to be 40th overall in those rankings, that's literally their ceiling. Um, Anyway, I, you know, I'm, SP Plus is never super impressed with, like, the triple option. It heavily favors explosiveness, and I think with Air Force ha- returning a, an experienced quarterback and a more consistent passing game in general, that probably explains why SP Plus likes Air Force more than Army. Um, by comparison, I think FPI is probably a little bit more enamored with Army's win over Mizzou because it has such a strong Power 5 basis built in. So if you beat a, a Power 5 team that made a bowl game, then, then they're going to like that more. Um, You know, with all that said, there's no universe in which you would probably set a line for army air force any higher than plus or minus three. So I'm not sure what that tells us. I mean, these, these teams, these teams are probably going to be pretty even over time. Um, And of course, Navy, I think they got to prove it year this year for better or worse, but their staff, you know, based on what they told the athletic, their staff seems to know it. So, you know, I think especially early in the season, we're going to get Navy's best shot. And if they stay healthy down the stretch, you know, who knows? This this might be the year they start turning it around. That's certainly possible. I, I went through and I sort of laid out what's notable on everybody's schedule. Um, so Army opens at Coastal Carolina and then has UTSA at home. Uh, then in the middle of the schedule, we've got Georgia State and then we're at Wake Forest. And then late, you know, we get into November, Air Force down in Texas. Uh, Troy and then the Army Navy game, so you know it's it's kind of a tale of three seasons there. Notable for Air Force, they've got Colorado and Wyoming early, Navy on October 1st, then Boise State and Army late in the year, 
uh, and then they close against San Diego State. So I, I think those two schedules are are like highly comparable. You know, <laughs> if you put Colorado up, Colorado up against Coastal Carolina, I don't think there's anybody on this planet who thinks Colorado's beaten Coastal Carolina. So um, those those are pretty similar schedules in my opinion. Uh, Navy again, you know, they've got Memphis and Air Force early, but then. And then they've got like kind of a, a long stretch of winnable games in the middle, but they close with Cincy, Notre Dame, UCF, and Army. So uh, it ought to be an interesting season all the way around. I think we're going to learn quite a bit about sort of where these teams are headed long term. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I think so for for the upside for Army, of course, is the fact that they are still an independent. So being able to pick and choose their schedule actually helps them in the long run because they can, you know, based off of how the team is feeling. They can make those adjustments, you know, two to three years down the road, add a team, drop a team, whatever. And it usually doesn't cost them that much just because they're independent and everybody wants to play Army unless you're Tennessee. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Absolutely. You know, but like if you look at the schedule, like you said, it's like a test. That it's, it's a test in three different areas. So you've got three hard games up front, your winnable games in the middle. And that's the same for Air Force. And, and that's. I think that's by design really to get those, you know, those open or those West Coast games kind of done for Air Force. I think that's pretty cool that they're playing Colorado. Hopefully they'll move it to uh, Mile High Stadium and that would be uh, a much appreciated game. And that'll be basically a home game for them. It's like Rocky Mountain Showdown Part 2, I mm-hmm. guess, if you look at Colorado playing, you know, Air Force because it's basically, you know, in their backyard. So it's basically a home game for both teams. But uh, like you said, Nate. Navy is on the ropes and it's, you know, that's one of the biggest arguments against being in a conference is Navy. You know, if you watch Navy's uh, struggles the last couple of years versus Army successes being an independent, it makes sense. It's like in what world with the power five bias is, you know, Air Force, Navy or Army going to be considered for the four team playoff? Probably never. So your best bet to at least get uh, national recognition and recruiting is to be an independent or have a strong schedule or be like the cool place like Air Force. They got all these cool modern buildings, but they also have no (laughs) but they also have no heroes in their (laughs) military history. You know, like like we still don't have a fighter ace. You know, think about it like name name a fighter ace in the Air Force in the modern era. There ain't one. You know what I mean? So when you think of it from that perspective, their service is still young. And so they still kind of have the, the new car smell on them. So that actually that actually helps them as far as recruiting is concerned. But uh, for Navy, if they don't turn this around, they might want to drop out of the, you know, the AAC and go back into that independent. So they have a little bit more flexibility with picking and choosing their schedule and maybe swap with like, you know, Old Dominion or Liberty and pull themselves out of that conference to give themselves a better chance to kind of set themselves up for success with uh, scheduling. Well, they're helped quite a bit by the fact that Cincinnati and UCF and some of those other better schools are about to leave the American and and in their place, they're going to bring in a lot of the schools from the conference USA. Uh, I believe Rice is even going into uh, the American, which I, I find amazing. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that they'll do better over the course of the next few years, just from the standpoint that three quarters of the heavyweights in the American conference are about to move up to the big 12. And that's just going to help them quite a bit. Yeah. I think, I think that the conference realignment is going to be the next crazy part of college football, you know? So we had the, we had the playoff coming in 
the conference realignment is coming in. And then when we get to the, you know, the 18 playoff or the 16 playoff, whichever one they finally decide on, I think that's going to have a huge impact on the overall uh, scope of college football. But all that being said, back to Army, one of the things that we wanted to talk about is uh, the notable postseason awards. So, you know, of course, the Abrams Award was for the team captain. So you had Mark Broughton, Cedric Cunningham, Eric Smith, and Nolan Cockrell. They all received uh, that award as co-captains of the team. The Lieutenant General Garrison Davidson Award is uh, went to Kamonte Yao for the highest military grade amongst uh, the players. Uh, Eric Smith also received the Major William C. Whitehead Jr. Memorial Award on having the highest class standing among all of his classmates. And then uh, Jabari Laws got the Anthony Miller Coaching Staff Award, which is the most inspirational player on the team. And, and I think that one of all of them, uh, you know, all those other ones are kind of cool. But like if you're noted as the most inspirational player on your team, I think that's pretty legit. There's also another handful of uh, players and coaches that were recognized. And you can go to the West Point uh, website and find the rest of the the awards. But we just wanted to hit kind of the high ones. And then uh, one of the things that I kind of added for this week that I really wanted to talk about is uh, pro players that have gone on from the Army program recently into the pros and, you know, with Ali Villanueva retiring this last season, I think uh, although he wasn't in Jeff Munkin's area, he's probably the most notable Army player before these guys that kind of jumped out. But what are your thoughts on uh, Army players getting able to, being able to go pro, Dan? Good idea or bad? Well, it's, it's such a fraught decision, right? Uh, in this era of name, image, and likeness, if the Army players also don't have the opportunity to go pro, I think it would be very difficult to get any anybody you know who's who's a solid football player because so many of these kids who are like high two-star low three-star athletes think well i maybe only have a five percent chance of making to the nfl but i'm certainly not going to cut off that five percent chance like give me this opportunity to at least compete and you know to be fair what army had three or four players get invited to pro camps this year i don't know that any of those guys are necessarily going to make teams at the end of training camp but you know they got a lot of dudes who who got opportunities at the next level and they've got four active players right now. I mean, it's hard not to tell people to take their opportunity, right? Uh, you, you don't want to cut that off, especially when there's a million ways that that dudes are getting over on their service time. You know, it, this isn't so much different than a guy or a girl getting a, an opportunity to, to uh, you know, get one of those fluky scholarships someplace and and do that when they're a lieutenant. And these guys aren't even, you know, serving active. They're just putting off their service yeah and, and that's the thing and and, and i think looking at uh, how olive will in a way but did it is probably the best way of doing it but that's not always going to be the case because it depends on you know what branch you take what organizations you go to and what the op tempo of the military is i think it's easier i think it's easier today to say like oh yeah they should have the opportunity to go pro because there's not a war going on that's lasted for the last 20 years you know, so I think from a perspective of recruiting or for the team, I think that's the best way to do it is to allow some of these players to go away. Because when you and I were growing up as young men, you know, Air Force had Chad Hennings, like dude play for the Dallas Cowboys. And he was there, you know, he was kind of like their poster child. So it's like, hey, yeah. look, if I'm going to go to a service academy, which one is letting their guys go? You know, Navy at the time had uh, David Robinson playing professional basketball. So you look at, you know, the schools that were letting people go that made a lot of sense back then because again wasn't a war going on but i think there's a kind of a difference of opinion and 
some people will like it, some people will, will not. But when you look at the percentage of people that get the opportunity to try out for the pros, I think honestly you got to give them their shot. Whether it pans out, you know, that's on them. But uh, currently on the NFL rosters that we have is uh, Cole Christensen. He's a linebacker for the Los Angeles Chargers, which I still can't get used to. And again, the stat that cut me the deepest literally was the fact that he was born in July of 1997, which is a couple months after I graduated. That like was a kick. And then uh, John Radigan is playing for the Seattle Seahawks. Elijah Riley is uh, played for the Eagles and then got signed to the practice squad and then moved over to the Jets. And then Brett Toth is went to the Eagles, then to the Cardinals and then back to the Eagles. But either way, these guys had the opportunity to uh, you know, get their shot at the pros. And I think it's a good thing for the program having active players out there because it's very rare that you turn on a, you know, a Sunday morning football show and they say, oh, yeah, this kid, you know, Cole Christensen, that was big news when he got signed to the Chargers off the practice squad. So I think that's good for the team because they actually get to see, you know, progression. But it also kind of solidifies like, yeah, hard work pays off, you know, whether that's in uniform or out of uniform. You know, if you put the work in, people will recognize you and give you an opportunity. But I will pause. Go ahead. Think about about it like this. Um, You know, Chris, we haven't really heard that much about Christensen with the Chargers. You know, he I remember when he made his first start uh, on special teams a couple of a couple of months ago. But of the four guys, he's probably the guy that we've heard about the least. Um, The Seahawks seem to really like John Radigan. You know, they signed him aggressively during the offseason. Riley looks like he's going to be a player and maybe even a starter for the Jets for like a while. And Toth, how long has he been in the NFL now? This got to be like year four or five, right? Yeah, I mean, he's been there it's, it's going to be like a long career for him. So it's I, I think that's interesting is, you know, guys aren't just getting opportunities like they're they're actually playing. You know, Riley's what is this going to be his third season? You know, Tota fourth, fifth season, whatever. Like that's that's really amazing to me. And, uh, you know, and we'll see if they can keep that going this year. Yeah. And, and I mean, like I said, like if you look at the other, you know, Army players and, and, and that made it into the pros, didn't have much of career, but I also think that, you know, things were different then too. You know, you had a, you had a different mentality on players going into the pros. And I think that really curtailed their opportunities more so than them not being talented enough to play. You know, I think that really was the difference. Well, well yeah. I mean, you know, you look at a guy like Alejandro Villanueva, the dude is 6'10". Like you, you can't teach being 6'10". That, that's not a matter of, of want to. Like, He's just a huge human being, and and you couple that with with the will to succeed, and he can get those opportunities. And you know, Elijah Riley is more of like a standard human sized human being, and if he doesn't get a chance to go to the Philadelphia Eagles immediately, like I don't think he's making that team. So, um, yeah, it's good that he got a chance to get out there. Yeah, and I think that's huge for the program as well, and I think that's just a testament to the the attitude and and you know coaching, you know, because if a guy's coachable. I think legitimately, like if I'm a if I'm an NFL team, like I don't have to take a risk and burn a draft pick on an Army football player. And the reason why I don't have to burn a draft pick on an Army football player, because I know that he's disciplined. I know that he has some physical and mental tools that, you know, some other players may not have. So, like, if I have room on the roster and I can do, un, you know, basically a hidden gym or an unsigned, you know, unsigned or undrafted free agent, why would I not take a service academy player? I mean, it makes sense. From a from a longevity perspective, I don't have to pay him this rookie bonus that, I, you know, I signed this guy for millions of dollars. 
I get him for a decent price and he's a decent player and it works out, you know, and I really hope for those, you know, those four gentlemen that we listed have successful careers. I mean, one, it looks good for the program, but the other part of it is, like you said, with name, image and likeness, if a kid gets a chance to go pro and we let him, I mean, that's a better opportunity for, you know, all the service academies in general, although we don't want to increase Navy's recruiting or Air Force's recruiting by having service academy players from Army in the NFL. I think it helps all three of the academies across the board by having representation in the league. But uh, really why we're here is (laughs) the big changes in the location, location, location of the Army-Navy game. But I'll pass this over to you, Dan, and kind of let you give the rundown and your thoughts on these new locations, some old, some new, of where the game is played. Yeah, so if you've been listening to the show for a while, you probably remember that we had uh, Army Athletic Director Mike Buddy on the Army football show over the offseason before last year. And he said, you know, hey, the Army-Navy game contract is coming up. It's ending in 2022. And, you know, we're going to put this thing out for bids and see what else we can get. And it turns out that they could do, you know, pretty well. So in 2023, we are playing at Gillette Stadium just outside Boston to celebrate the 250th celebration of the Boston Tea Party and the 225th commemoration of the USS Constitution. Holy crap, say all that five times fast. Uh, in 2024, we're going to Washington, D.C., which I think is an obvious location for this game. 2025, we're in Baltimore, Maryland, which is less obvious to me personally. Uh, 2026, we're in the center of the universe in New York City. And then in 2027, we're back to good old Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, yeah, man. Uh, let me just start by saying my wife went to Boston University. She's got a million friends in Boston. I've already had a bunch of people reach out to me about plans for next year's game. Like, it's amazing. Um, Probably not my first choice just on sheer weather, but it should be fun. And God knows people are excited for that game. Yeah, I, I think Gillette Stadium, you know, as as much as uh, we don't want to talk about the house that Tom built, <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> I think it, it it's a good venue. You know, and most of the pro venues are always good for for college games just because the view is better. There's a lot more amenities. You know, I won't say parking is any better, but at least there's a. <laughs> better places for you to kind of tailgate and do other things around the stadium. Whereas like you're limited to the size and scope of the town that the, the, the game is in. But I think, you know, Gillette stadium will be okay. DC in 2024, that makes it easy for, you know, whoever's in the oval office to come make a trip and watch the game. So there is no excuses for POTUS not to be at that game. If he doesn't go, that means he hates America. And that would be a very <laughs> telling sign. If you got army Navy in your backyard and you can't, you know, jump on a, jump on the beltway and get there with the secret service escort. Like there's something wrong, you know, with your Americanness. And so I would call you less of a Patriot. If you're the president, you don't go to the army Navy game. Then you've got uh, Baltimore. I'm really scratching my head on that one. I mean, you know, from a, from a non-political standpoint, that is probably not the best place to go. And I will leave it there. And of course, New York and Philly are always staples for Army Navy game. If they bounce between those two cities year after year, I don't think anyone could complain. But adding a couple, you know, new cities to the mix is always good. But yeah, uh, oh, I saw a bunch of people complaining that it's going to be back at Giant Stadium. But you know, like I said, and maybe this is just me having lived in and uh, worked in Manhattan for 20 years. But um, obviously, I live in Connecticut. But you know, New York to me is the center of the universe. So on that basis. The further you move the game away from New York, just the further you're moving it away from everything that's happening on planet Earth. 
Um, so I could have it in New York every year. I realize that that is definitely the minority opinion, but nevertheless, I, I enjoy it when it's there a lot. It's uh, always been my favorite venue. Yeah, I, I agree. All right. So now <laughs> I can't now, believe you agree with me. I wish Jordan was on here. He would uh, yeah. definitely take me to task on, over that one. That, well, I, I mean, it, it all depends really where you enjoyed the game. You know, like, oh, that's fair. You know, it was like, blast so, last year. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was great. And, and like I said, I've, I've, you know, we went to the vet in Philly, which is, which is always a great place. And then New York is New York, you know, I mean, like, I, I think it goes back to what we had in the previous discussion. Is it a big little town or no, you know, and that's mm. really what it ultimately boils down to, but yeah. let's move over to, you know, notable news and gossip so we can wrap the show up. But what's one of the things that have kind of popped up on your radar for, for college football this year? Yeah, so back in April, I guess they passed a bunch of new rules uh, for college football, the most important of which for listeners of this podcast is blocking below the waist is now outlined, is now outlawed unless you are an offensive lineman or a stationary running back inside the tackle box. So Army football linemen will still be able to fire off at the knees of the opposing defensive tackles. However, cut blocks on the outside, which you've seen previously within five yards of the line of scrimmage, are now going to be outlawed. Uh, it'll be pretty interesting to see what that does to Army's outside running game. You know, we've seen a lot, I do mean a lot of thigh bone soup over the years from slotbacks cutting on the outside, and uh, they're going to have to get bigger out there, I think. Uh, we'll see. Um, yeah, loss of those cup blocks outside the tackle box. That's that's going to be interesting. And I don't know how far down the field that is, but I would assume it's still within five yards. Um, college football is also cracking down on fake slides and faked injuries. Um, fake injuries, there's like a whole, you submit a report that, hey, I think these injuries were fake. Uh, I don't know how well that that's going to go, but they're they're trying something which is good because, you know, these fake injuries serve in lieu of timeouts for defensive teams, which obviously that's a problem. And then finally, uh, teams will be able to appeal targeting calls now. Uh, I don't know how much I love that, considering that targeting is all, always reviewed as it is. But nevertheless, they're going to appeal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, so going back to the top on the cut blocks, man, like cut blocks suck. And I mean, in high school, you know, you have to change your blocking technique. And when you change your blocking technique, that actually increases the ability for you know the defense to be successful. And most uh, football rule books are written for the offense to be successful. So for them to, you know, eliminate cut blocks in the in that fashion actually hurts offenses in a way that, uh, you know, particularly service academies because they like to use the option style with the cut blocks involved. So it kind of changes the calculus on how many, you know, plays that you run or how, the types of plays that you run. And we'll see how it plays out because I think it was bad last year, but I'm hoping it doesn't get any worse. You know, yeah. fake, you know, fake slides. That was like one thing that happened and it was very notable. And the dude went on to score a touchdown. If, if what is his name? Uh, Kenny Pickett hadn't scored a touchdown yeah. last year. Like, I don't even think this would, it would, it would be a non-factor. You know what I mean? But because he, you know, juked the crap out of half the defense and then scored a touchdown, you know, I think, you know, whatever. I think that was an anomaly that probably will not happen ever again, if at all. And then the faking injuries piece, like, yeah, I think that's, I think that's legit, but I, you know, that's one of those that's like almost unenforceable, you know, like who's, who's going to know if it's a fake injury or not. Are you going to, you know, check the kids biometrics? I have no idea, but yeah. uh, 
Well, you know, the Mids have been accused of faking some of those injuries uh, a couple of years ago by one of the uh, American conference teams. Uh, But again, you know, it's like, okay, defensive player sits down for a minute, rolls his ankle, gets back up. He's out for a play, comes back in the next play. Like, see it all the time. I don't know what that proves. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's I think it's just one of those things. It'll be case by case basis with any rule change. And that's the thing that makes it difficult is because you really just don't know. And then the targeting calls up for appeal. That's that's kind of shenanigans because again, like you said, they're already reviewed. And I think really what needs to happen is they need to uh, really take a hard look at you know what targeting is more so than like after after the play actually happens. You know because again, I think a lot of the players don't. You know there are times when you've intentionally seen a player target somebody and like, oh yeah, that was bad. You know, and then there's times where you see a guy like. Eh. I think he was leaning with the shoulder and the guy just moved into him, but it still struck the crown of the head or whatever. And I think that, you know, I think that goes back to replay officials need to get smarter. Also, as the players just need to make sure that they are clear on what the rules are. I know all the hardcore football guys hate targeting calls, you know, like Matt Trinkle, for example, on Twitter. Every time there's a targeting call, you know, he's he's ready to relitigate it on Twitter because I know he hates those calls. Um, I, I just like personally. I, I think it's good for the health of these amateur athletes that we're trying to protect them. And it's better in this, in this particular case to err on the side of caution. I, I understand the argument, but I just don't think that these kids who, you know, are, are not employees, at least according to current law are, are not putting their, you know, their minds at risk as best we can. Uh, obviously, n- you know, nothing's perfect, but we're doing, you know, the best we can. And I think it's worth doing. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Like it, they're, they're already looking at this pretty hard, right? So I think what they want is like a wholesale revision of the rule. And that's not what we have here. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, look, all you have to do is go back YouTube, Ronnie Lott or Chuck Cecil, right? That's totally, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Right. Like if you right. go back and yeah. you, you throw back 10 or 15 years back when like guys played with reckless abandon and you had dudes like Lonnie Lott that like threw his entire body into a tackle or Chuck Cecil or, you know, Steve Atwater, any of those guys. But the difference is those dudes were at the pro level and they were being compensated for the risk. Yeah, the first yeah. that's that is uh, informed adult consent. Like should Tom Brady be playing at this point in his age with his risk of CTE? Like, I don't know, man, for that amount of money, maybe. You know, that's he's an adult. This is this a different conversation. Yeah, but I I think protecting the players is paramount. And so that that's the most important part. And then there's a note in here that I don't want to cover, but I definitely want to pass it over to you because I think this is hysterical. But yeah, so also true. (laughs) uh, So Nick Saban accused Texas A&M of, quote, buying their whole team through name, image and likeness. Uh, leading to some really interesting, entertaining back and forth among some of the SEC coaches. And uh, yeah, I mean, I know you said you don't want to talk about it, but like from Saban, really, you know, at what major power five program is not buying their team through name, image and likeness at this point? Like we've heard some amazing, amazing stories. You know, you, you got reports of kids not even going to, you know, like major big time programs making as much as second round draft picks from the NFL. Like it's wild how much some of these kids are bringing down uh, via local sponsorship. And I don't even know 
is it is it even sponsorship like are they even getting paid for name image and likeness or is this just straight pay to play you know i i would really like to sort of dig into what is being bought first with some of these payments but you know whatever at this point um i you know we talked about this on the other show last week is is army and navy are we down in recruiting this year because they can't offer name image and likeness deals like how how low is this going I wouldn't think that your average like two-star recruit would be getting offered serious NIL money, but I don't actually know. You know, and then there's definitely been reports that, you know, all the non-scholarship kids at some of these big power five schools are getting put on, you know, scholarship now via NIL, which that's a, that's a pretty big freaking yeah. thing. Like that's a big deal. That's a yeah, lot of that's money. A, that's a huge, that's a huge, that's a huge difference. You know, being able to play for, for, you know, football is pretty impressive or whatever. I mean, it really it really changes the the concept of preferred walk-on status you know what i'm saying you yeah. know it, to me if you get if you're offering me preferred walk-on status at school x versus going to west point like that's an easy i'm going to go to west point like that's i don't even have to think about that i'm obviously going to west point because preferred walk-on status like who cares thanks you know great all right let's hope that works out for somebody but if they're if you throw in now an NIL deal where, oh, in reality, you know, Joe's car dealership is going to pay my my uh, my tuition and give me a little stipend like that changes things significantly. Yeah. And, and so I just pulled out the, the NIL top 100 list. The scary part of it is, is, you know. Three of the top five athletes on the list are high school football players. Oh, my God. Yeah. Seven of the top 10 are high school football players. Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. Or or, I'm sorry, basketball player. So you got, you got Brony James was a high school basketball player. Mickey Williams, high school basketball player, Bryce Young, Alabama football made 1.8 million. Ronnie James, surprise, surprise. I wonder whose daddy is right. You know, 5.1 million. So basically here's, here's the argument, you know, and there's no way to retroactively like punish people after this, which I think is ridiculous. But like, when you look at dudes, like, LeBron James, his mom was rolling around in a in a Humvee when he was like 16 years old. Clearly, there's some issues there, right? Now it's okay because these kids are being compensated. But when you look at <clears throat> the other two guys in the top five, you got Bryce Young and uh, C.J. Stroud, which are both pulling down about a million dollars for uh, NIL. Arch Manning is pulling down 1.6 million. You know, <laughs> and if you look at these kids. Like the guys on top of NIL are the guys that either have legacy already with the sport, you know, or they're going to a a, a school that has the eyeballs on them. Right? Sure. You know, and so when you look at it from this perspective, like what's the difference between, you know, the top the top rated uh, the top rated quarterback and every other school is he goes to Alabama. Why do CJ Stroud make so much money? Because he goes to Ohio State. You know, when you look at the top twenty five. Most of them are notable college football programs or have some type of relationship with uh, professional sports anyway. You know, so I, I think it's I think at the end of the I think at the end of the day, you know, NIL does have an impact. But like you said, like if you're if you're a mid to low tier player, best to get your education because you're not going to pull in as much cash as some of these other guys. Yeah, it, it's just interesting. Like I'm all for kids getting an opportunity to make money with their gifts as soon as possible because, you know, as as we all know, you know, time is undefeated, right? Like you, those 
that your window for making money is short. And so if, if somebody's willing to pay you that money, like this is America and I'm, I'm all for letting these kids go into business for themselves to do whatever the hell I don't care. Um, definitely, you know, busting Johnny football for selling autographs of himself at a Texas, you know, con- convention or whatever, like that was a crime against American capitalism, but it is, it is insane. And uh, yeah, man, it's, it's like anything else. People are getting paid if, if they know who you are and they know to pay you. Yeah. Well, I, and I think at the end of the day, I think ultimately what happens is, you know, maybe in, you know, I would just like to say, honestly, if they're going to allow NIL to happen, that they've retroactively fixed some of the stupid crap that they've done in the NCAA. Like, hey, reinstate Reggie Bush and yeah. USC's championship, right? If you're going to allow these kids to get paid, I mean, that's the least that you can do, given the impact that that guy had outside of college football. You know what I mean? And it's yeah, like, yeah, sure. you know, case by case basis, I'm not saying, you know, wipe away everything because like, look, I think the reason why you know, Johnny football got busted was less of a less of a interaction with a booster thing and more of an attitude thing. You know what I mean? Like he was kind of a douche. To be sure. But you don't, you don't lightly. you don't use the power of the NCAA to regulate somebody's attitude, man. I mean, yeah. it, you know, if somebody's willing to pay him for his autograph because they think he's a football rock star, like it's not up to the NCAA to say, oh, no, you, you can't do that. Like that's screw those people. Yeah, well, and, and that's the thing. And, and let's be honest, like the NCAA really needs to like there needs to be a form of adjustment. We could do a whole show on that as well, because when you look at the profits that the NC2A makes. You know, oh, yeah, they're they're close to a billion dollars every time they release their, you know, their quote unquote profits, even though they're a 501C. So <laughs> please explain that to me, because I want to be in a 501C that makes nine hundred thirty six million dollars. <laughs> you know, let me be yeah, part for of sure. For sure. But, and where's that money even going? Yeah. It ain't paying for scholarships. You know, that's why they allowed NIL so they could spread the, you know, spread the money around. I hope that's the real case. But in short, folks, we have covered a lot of ground. We've talked about Army sports. We've talked about where the Army Navy game is going to be. Talk some name, image, and likeness and a lot of other things. Dan, do you have a favorite thing this week? To wrap the show. Uh, yeah, I finally I finally swam outdoors. So I have the swim across the sound coming up. I finally broke out my wetsuit because the water here is only 63 degrees. I got in an open water swim. I mentioned this solely so that you can follow me on Twitter at Dano E. Cabeza. Find the link to give to my swim across the sound team and help us fight cancer uh, because cancer sucks and it could be you. Let's hope that it isn't. Um, but but help us fight. You know, do us a favor. All right. Hey. Thanks. This has been Rob Robinson along with Dano Ikebesa. This is your combined Army football show and college football roundtable. And as always, beat Navy. Beat them. Thanks for listening to the Ask for Football College Football Roundtable. Please join us again soon for another episode of the College Football Roundtable and be on the lookout for the next Army football show. Please continue to follow us on all social media platforms at As for Football. We thank you for your continued support of As for Football, the Black Knights football team, and Army athletics. And as always, beat Navy.